0: You're listening to the Manaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 121. Welcome to the Manaverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. If you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at ManaverseSaga.com. I've got Dee from Versus Games in San Francisco on with me today, and one of the most consistent threads in our conversation on what makes Versus Games successful is marketing. We kept coming back to how much Dee's marketing background shaped the business from the start, and how important it is for game stores to have their marketing locked down if they want to grow in the future. And as you can probably guess, I couldn't agree more. Over the past year and a half, I've been working with game stores to shape their marketing strategies and in that time, help them generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales and add thousands of new subscribers to their email lists. I've seen firsthand what kinds of impacts effective digital marketing strategies can have on a business. But the trouble is marketing is a huge subject. It takes time and effort to learn all the different tools and platforms and principles. And running a game store is a full-time job in itself. Sometimes it can feel more like working two jobs at the same time, especially now during the busiest shopping season of the year. And while I fully acknowledge the stress and pressure you're under right now leading up to Christmas, marketing your game store is not something that you can ignore. My goal is to make it easier for game store owners to leverage digital marketing and grow their businesses. And if you just want someone to implement cutting-edge digital strategies for your game store, we can do that for you. Head to maniversesagacom forward slash MMA and book a time on the calendar and we will happily put together a customized plan for your game store. And then this time next week, you could have the frameworks and systems installed in your business that capture more email subscribers, drive more traffic to your website from Google, and sell directly with email campaigns and pay traffic. The very same powerful strategies that the major game retailers use to reach millions of customers every single month. But I've also been working on codifying what we do on a one-to-one basis with clients and making it more affordable and approachable. Uh, This is why I've created the complete FLGS digital marketing course. It's specifically designed to teach our systems in a way that's easy to implement by breaking everything down and making it step by step. In the course, I reveal exactly how we structure email campaigns, how we connect all the different platforms so that everything is integrated and automated as possible, how we build ads that sell directly to customers on Google and Facebook, how we improve web pages so they pull in organic traffic, and more. All the techniques we use for our clients to increase their revenue and sell thousands of dollars of product online are in there. And just to give you a quick idea of what kinds of strategies we're talking about, we recently set up winning campaign number two, uh, revealed in module five of the course, in one client's business and in a a mere 10 days and $100 in ad spend, generated over $2,000 in sales. The course is broken out into 21 days, And each day, there's a relatively short video walking you through one particular strategy or tool for you to implement in your business. By the end of the 21 days, you'll have all the pieces of the digital marketing puzzle put together for your game store. On top of all that, you also get a bunch of resources along the way to help guide your marketing efforts. And the course includes four 30-minute coaching calls with me to use as you see fit. We can go over your website, review your ads, or simply talk strategy. The coaching calls are yours to make sure you get everything implemented. Whether you are a beginner or an experienced marketer looking to hone your skills, the complete FLGS digital marketing course has something for everyone. Plus, with lifetime access and regular updates, you have all the resources you need to keep your marketing efforts up to date and effective. Plus plus, you can also save 51% off the price tag if you use code 2023 to enroll before the end of the year. You can check out the course. At com forward slash FLGS. And with that said, let's dive into the interview.
1: Yeah, obviously with, with my with, with my intros when I do with with mine and my videos, I go, you know, welcome challengers and investors. And uh my name is D. I'm the CEO and owner of Versus Games in San Francisco, California. And uh the way Versus got started off was well, I mean, we always hear a lot of origin stories, and some of the most origin normal origin stories I hear are like, "Well, I play games and I just want to share it with the community and I want to get into that." That wasn't my origin story. Mine was I oversaw all the Seas candies in San Francisco. And so that was 2007, 2008ish, and if anyone knows about that time frame, that was the great recession, which means there was a lot of corporate downsizing happening non-stop so that's what happened um, I enjoyed working for that company um, created a whole new uh, product line for them too with if you've ever been to a Seas candies before you've probably seen how they all focus on holidays but there was a I think there was one holiday they never did was the Chinese New Year's and I was so adamant about pushing that particular product and that's when I I was pretty uh, happy that I moved forward with her help them develop um but i digress the great recession hit and there was a lot of downsizing Mm, i lost my home i lost my job i was homeless so that was a very uh traumatic experience i would say it was very it was very it hit hard it hit a lot of people hard and uh you know, it was it was tough, and um, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, my um, family were kind enough to take me in, and uh, at that point, I was taking any job I could take, anything. Um, I was very humble about it, I was like, hey, you know what, sure, I was up here in a three-piece suit, and now I'm a janitor, now I'm cleaning toilets. Uh, as long as I put that work ethic in the same that I did both, that's what I did. That's what I was taught at an early age, and that's how I operate. But I was it was hard to find work back then. Um, it was really tough, and I took anything, anything that was available. But I also found a lot of time to play games again. And I played Magic and board games throughout my life. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go back to my local game store. I'm going to start playing some games again. And uh, it was an in, in, in area in SF or in Daly that I was playing games again. I remember going to the game store, and I was just started getting back into magic. And uh, I remember giving the owner some tips and some, you know, feedback. Hey, here's some things you can do because my background is marketing and um, R and D and management. So I was like, hey, you know, here's some stuff you can probably do. You know some promotions you know Black Friday because that was something you know game stores really didn't do that at the time mm-hmm. and uh, you know branding that was a lot of game stores really didn't focus on that particular aspect and that marketing because it was very corporate it's just something they don't do maybe they don't see the value or they don't have the time so I tried giving some feedback and they were able to implement it to a point but they didn't have my background to really see it all the way through and I remember being so frustrated like you know what they could these game stores can do so much more because when you go into a game store and this is not for all of them and uh, but this was an experience that you may have shared that I have had on numerous accounts and this is why there's a character on the Simpsons called comic book guy he has this very elitist attitude oh you you don't know what you want you don't want the spider man you can't here here's an Archie they tell you what you want. And uh-huh. I remember seeing that at so many stores. And I was like, oh, okay. It was it was frustrating. And I was telling um, my girlfriend, wife now, of how frustrating this is. They could do, these. this industry has, they could work on branding, promotions, marketing. There's all these aspects that they don't focus on. They don't do this because that's where I came from she was like well why don't you just open up your own game store and i was like oh yeah okay well sure now it wasn't that easy it didn't just happen overnight i went back to school three years studied really researched it because i was like if i'm gonna throw everything in there i'm gonna do it right i'm gonna do everything i can and i'm gonna check all the boxes and that's what i did that was something that i really focused on because Going to these game stores, they, a lot of them didn't have the customer service background, the business education to go with it. And it's not necessarily needed, you know, a lot of people, you know, start businesses without that. But I noticed there was a huge trend, which also contributed to maybe the lack of customer service that you would see that was becoming, you know, evident in a lot of game stores. So thus, you know, the stereotyping character from the Simpsons comic book guy, that's that's taken from from stores. There's there's that that's how, yeah. It, that's how you know some of them really act. You know, you, you have a shirt that doesn't you know fits you quite well, or you, you know whatever, and you just have that kind of mentality, and you treat your customers uh, in a certain way, where it's just like, all right. I worked with a lot of different industries, and you know when I was with Starbucks, I remember being in a big meeting, and the trainer would come out and they would say, you know, what's the difference between Starbucks, Pete's coffees, Phil's, all these other places like, and everyone raised their hand. Hey, it was the beans or it's the way we brew it. It's the way we do this, it's that. And then she goes, nothing. We all sell the same stuff. It all comes from the same distributor. They're like, oh, it's the way you treat your customer. It's the atmosphere you create. That's how you separate yourself. It's the branding, it's the marketing. Yeah, that's part of it. But we all kind of have that. We all have the same product. But how do you differentiate yourself from other people in the industry? You have to find a way to do it differently. And it's the service. And they kind of coined the phrase of that third place, that third home type of situation. And that was very essential. And I saw that was an important thing to implement in this industry. And that's kind of why like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to take from what I've learned from all my other industries that I work with, you know, and implement them, marketing, promotion, uh, branding, all these things. I want them, you know, customer service. And that is something that we really focus on training. I meet with my team on a weekly basis. We have team meetings, we have training meetings, we have sales meetings, sales meetings on how to sell product. you're thinking. Oh, I could just come in and do that. No, 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 there is a process, there's tonality, there's different ways you speak to people, there's different temp, uh, different methods that you speak and then you bring up product. Um, one of the things you're not allowed to do in our business is say, how can I help you? You are not allowed to say that. It is something you just can't say at our business. You have to engage with them in conversation. You have to identify, observe, locate determine what they touch what area they go to hey welcome to versus games are we here for magic or pokemon and listen there is a script that we like to have our staff work with and that sometimes get pushed back initially from new new people coming in like the script the script is so you don't have to think about what you need to say because your focus is to be listening to everything the consumer says so you can respond to what they want to buy they pick up this particular game. All right, great. They like four players. Or you can simply ask them, how's your gamer group? You know, all these aspects that we really focused on in our our business is something that I really wanted us to do before opening up. So I did tons of research, you know, demographic, marketing, white paper reports on our demographic, where we're going to locate, you know, all these locations. Are you going to be a you know, a, a, an area where they go to, or are you going to be in high traffic? All the benefits. There was a lot of research that went into it and then finding the location and then branding. And then how is it going to be and what we're trying to express? What's going to be our our mission statement? You know, do game stores actually have a mission statement? Oh, we're here to bring, fun. no, there's something more to it. And so when I speak with other businesses and other game store owners, I And I've done consulting with them too as well. I tell them, hey, it's great that you have that story that you want to share the games with everybody and you want to bring it to the community. That that aspect is great. That's actually a byproduct of what our business is. Your primary business or purpose is to make money. That's what all business is. We're in a capitalistic society. I know it sounds cynical sometimes to say it that way, but we're here to support our family, to support the people who work for us and to grow our business. That's it. And live her dream. So that's how it all started in a nutshell. (laughs) Sorry, that's a lot there to throw at you. But that's the basis. And verses did change a little bit uh, more so throughout the time. Because um, as I tell people, no, as I told my staff, and it was the Christmas party of I think 2018 or 2019. We had a, a, a big dinner. We we're discussing, I go, folks, we're no longer a game store. And they all looked at me and they were like, well, what are we? Versus games is not a game store. We are a membership company that masquerades as a game store. And they all took a step back. I was like, what? Cause if you know anything about us, we, that's our primary thing. We sell memberships. We started changing our business cause they started doing more research with other companies that did membership basis, uh, membership, um, implementations. And we decided to go in that direction. And, uh, when the pandemic hit and the lockdown hit, it was good that we had that cause we had a passive income to actually support the business too, as well. We just switched and converted our business. So, um, as I tell people, we are, we're really not, a, we are, we sell games, we sell products. Yes, we do like everyone else, but we are a membership company. That masquerades as a game store. Like pizza, like, a, what is it? Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese masqueraded as a, uh, a as an arcade, if I'm correct, but it's actually just a, a pizzeria. So they had that same, a, a similar thing. Most people don't even realize that too about them. But um, there it is. That's kind of how it got started. Sorry, long-winded answer there. <laughs>
0: No, that's fantastic. That's a heck of a story and a really interesting way to kind of come into the industry from the corporate world in a very different right. environment. And then you know, two thousand eight probably was rough across the board for pretty much everybody yeah. <laughs> across the world. Not an auspicious time to start a business. But obviously, you waited a little while. You took a few years to prepare to go down that path. You know, you didn't just jump jump in like uh, like some store owners. Do, unfortunately, and, you know, fortunately. So the good and the bad of being excited and passionate about a business and marketing. Marketing, branding, it's – it's. I love the fact that you mentioned this because this is is essentially what I do with game stores. I I work with game stores to help them with their marketing and and bring them into the digital world and kind of help them with a whole bunch of digital marketing strategies. And that's a lot of fun. And it's it's a fascinating arena because there's so few game store owners and businesses really – bringing a lot of that to the forefront and part of the problem at least in my mind is that uh, I think the games do such a relatively good job of you know showcasing themselves like you think of magic you think of Pokemon that they're, they're well Pokemon is at least like a worldwide brand it's the most recognized uh, almost one of the most recognized brands in the world hmm. but uh, I think game stores kind of think it's like, oh, it's, it's going to sell itself, right? Like if I carry this product, people right. will find me, right? They'll come to me. Those people will find me. Yeah. But they often forget. They're like, you got to go out there and you got you to put your message out there. You got to put your brand out there. You got to have something that defines you more than just the products you sell. And I think that's a very, uh, well, I would, I'd love to have a conversation around that because I find that topic endlessly fascinating. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that you came from the world of the corporate. And then you decided that I could do a game store. Like, you know, you see the the fact that game stores are what they are at this point in time, I can do better, right? I can, I can make something even more effective. And I know I can bring all of these skills from the business world and really make this thing happen, make this thing pop. A very interesting and like long vision approach, right? You didn't, uh, it wasn't a hasty decision the thing that I find, in particular, the question that I have is why game stores? Like, why open a game store instead of, like, literally any other business? Why did you land on game stores? Well,
1: as I mentioned, I was expressing, like, this industry could do so much more and it just wasn't tapped. No one was really tapping in its full potential. And then with San Francisco, at the time when I opened up, there was, um, I think, like, two other game stores in the area. Um, Neither really, excuse me, really focused on like magic heavy, it was like magic Friday night. And in one place I would play at, I won't say the name, but I remember playing there and it was so cramped that we would play on cardboard boxes. And I literally had to play on the corner of a cardboard box. And it was such a bad experience. And I felt like the people in SF, the players have been drinking sand for so long, they didn't know what water tastes like. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to bring in the store. I'm going to have this space to play these tables set up for, you know, eight pods, custom tables. We're going to do all this. And it was a hit because no one had an, an event store where you can play events seven days a week. Magic, seven days a week. Um, I think, the, I mean, you'd have to drive down to like Channel Fireball at the time when they existed. And SF didn't have that. They they just didn't. A couple of places came and gone. but And so I was like, I want SF. I want this industry because it hasn't been tapped in here yet. And I feel like I can, you know, create that atmosphere, that community, and give them what they don't have. And that was why I chose that particular industry. Um, yes, there's a, a familiarity and a love for the game, too, as well. But... I felt I could do something where it was being neglected and it could really, it could really change how, how things were being done. And so that's why I specifically chose this one. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could pick the clothing shop, but I mean, that's such a saturated market and you have to look at the markets too, as well. Like, you know, I can, Sure, I pick a shoe shop. All right, it was my first job I'd ever worked at as a kid. But, I mean, there's shoe shops everywhere. There was, like, two game stores. I mean, and SF is a big place. So, uh-huh. sure, I mean, now there's, like, five or six game stores in SF. But before, there was, like, you know, two of us. Um, So, at that point, that's basically why I chose it. I mean, the market wasn't saturated. There wasn't, you know, there was a need. I identified the need that was essential. I I see a lot of places just kind of jump into it. Like, I'm just going to get into it and like, slow down for a minute, research, look what you're getting into. Um, I do see a lot of places just, Hey, they survived. They're able to make it maybe because maybe there wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything there or they get lucky. Um, But I also seen a lot of places come and go just the same too as well. So there's a lot of stuff to forecasting sales projections, looking at the market, identifying, the games that are coming out, doing your research, there's a lot that goes into it. You just don't buy stuff and put on the shelves and hope that people buy it. You know, and that comes into the marketing and the research too as well, which sometimes is overlooked.
0: To get statistically relevant data would be difficult, but it, the, the gut feeling is that the majority of game stores that open and close in rapid succession is mainly because, you know, somebody had a dream, they thought this was a great idea and just went for it rather than putting in the the necessary time to like, okay, like I really, did you put it together a business plan? Did you at least like, you know, do some digging to figure out, okay, how big is this community? How viable is it? How much money do they have? What kind of demographics are we talking about? You know, and that kind of thing. And really looking beyond maybe your personal neighborhood and seeing, okay, well, where's the good, where's an optimal location for this shop? And then figuring out if that's right for you and all of that stuff. The lack of research and the lack of funding, I think, are the two big, major downfalls for a lot of stores as to why they, why they don't quite get to the point where they can, you know, really be successful or even like, potentially successful, right? Because it takes a little while to get to that point where you can comfortably say, okay, yes, we we had a bumpy first couple of years, we were learning, we're figuring it out, we we made it past that learning curve, and now we're now we're soaring, right? Now we've made it off the runway, right? <laughs> but if you don't have enough gas in the tank, then Uh, That's a problem. Yeah. So, so my thoughts are like, you know, 2008 was really rough. Everything was gone. You started off from the bottom. You went back to school when you first started the business and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think San Francisco is not the, uh, the least expensive place to live or open a business. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So when you were getting things going, you know, how, what was the funding situation? Like, how did you, how did you get this thing? You know the snowball rolling?
1: Savings, SBA loans. Um, and there was a lot of programs that were offered. Now, when doing your, you know, you're trying to do your business plan, I think, you know, a lot of them require, hey, give me like 10 pages, give us a couple years worth. I went a little bit beyond that. I I think I developed close to 10 years spans of what I wanted as far as projections and what I wanted to be, what I wanted to hit, which was beyond, It was like a 60 page business report of covering sections of marketing, demographics, you know, and segmenting all that. And which was, I do not say overkill, but it was a lot. But it was a lot of information. And especially kind of going to the banks, explaining to them what we're trying to do. They're like, I don't understand your business model. How, how, how do you make money? So a lot of them was trying to convince them. And I, I get that. And I was like, okay, well, here's how the business works. It, it got down to the point where I just said, hey, we sell stuff. They're like, oh, okay. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how we kind of got started off is with the, you know, SBA loans and getting, uh, assistance with that upfront with whatever we saved up to as well and doing a lot of stuff on our own. So a lot of YouTubing, okay, how do I put the floors down? Okay. How do I do that? (laughs) So a lot of stuff was just us doing it ourselves, you know, literally in that building, blood, sweat and tears are seeped into the floorboards. It was there. (laughs) So so sometimes you just you know, and you you get attached to these things too. So you you gotta get down and just do it. You know, move forward, do the stuff, do the research the way things are now and just get the work done. Find where you can cut costs. Can you afford a contractor? Can you not afford a contractor? You know, negotiations for the ADA compliant doors, ADA compliant restrooms before you go in, all this kind of stuff was a huge huge lesson i mean at some point i will also like i don't know if i want to do this anymore there's a lot of going back and forth with lawyers too it was like oh my goodness but i mean you know looking back it was like it was a huge learning lesson and i'm thankful for i've gone through all that process too as well but uh you know that's kind of how a lot of places try to get started you know with with you know your your initial what money you have is on hand or you're alone or you know but then getting help from sba and they provide a lot of assistance too as well for small businesses. So yeah, that's, that's how we initiated, initially got set up with our funding.
0: Especially if you are just getting started, take advantage of the programs that are available to you. So like go out there oh. and figure that part out before you start diving into things. Cause there is a lot out there in terms of resources for, for new businesses that you should take advantage of if you can.
1: Yeah. Most stores don't. It. I noticed that. I was like, got lawyer assistance. You have all this free assistance from lawyers, from the SBA and, there's so much assistance they provide for you for free. Granted, you've got to really do, and they expect you to, you know, do the work, you know, come back with a business plan. And I think I had to go back several times. And, you know, my final business plan was 60 pages long, which is extremely long if you know anything about business plans. Those are really long um, for a business plan. Usually it's several 10 pages. I've come across like really small business plans when I'm doing consulting. Like, okay.
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah here's what you're, what you're going for. Um, so it was, it it helps get you prepared mentally and understanding the numbers. So, I mean, you have all the accounting and you have, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it too, as well. So, but yeah, take advantage of those, those programs. And most stores, beginning stores, businesses, and just in general, they don't either, they don't either know how or, sometimes they just see it's too much work or they just don't know how to start it off or don't, or don't even aware of it. They're not even aware of it. So,
0: yeah, I think that's probably the the main obstacle You just don't even know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there for you, but yeah, part of the research, part of the research, get out there and do that. So I want to ask you about marketing a little bit more. What's, uh, what's the biggest marketing mistake you've seen game stores make? What's something that you see them make all the time that uh, people should stop making
1: now? that they're making right now, well, one, I don't see a lot of them doing marketing, so they have to start it first. Um, they need to do marketing first. Um, they need to see the value in it. And sometimes if they don't have the know-how or understanding of Photoshop or, you know, how to, how to use Instagram or Twitter or Facebook um, or TikTok, which is the bigger one right now that you need to get on or whatnot, um, they need to educate themselves. To do that first, and a lot of businesses do not see the value in it or and they don't therefore they don't put the time in it and or they 're intimidated by the technology or the software and when I see them, and when I say they don 't see the value in it, there's people you can hire that could do it for you, but you have to research on who you 're going to hire, but even then there's going to be fees attached to it, and some of the small businesses don 't see the value in investing in that. Whereas, you know, I could target, I could do a Facebook ad, target a certain segment, a certain demographic, spend 500 and get a good conversion of maybe thirty, forty thousand $40,000 out of it just by targeting specifically, you know, the right groups, because I'm putting it in the front of the right people, they're seeing it, and I'm getting conversions from it. And you can see the conversions too as well. But most people on those ads, I mean, you literally have to get trained sometimes on these Facebook stuff. And, you know, Facebook offers free instructions. You know, I think for four months, I had a call once a week with a Facebook ads manager. And because mm-hmm. it's always changing, too. So you have to understand how the program is always changing as well. And it's it's free. So I would say some of like the, the mistakes that I see is just not doing it. That's the main one, not seeing the value in it. Because once I see an ad up there, I'm like, okay, and I'll look at my, you know, other store's ads. Okay, this is great. This is awesome. Okay, I like it. You're in Florida, though. Okay. Um, and you're you're advertising your event. This tells me that you're not really, you, you have trouble with your targeting. You're not targeting the right, and you're not putting your money where it should be. So there's targeting issues right there. Um. And so there's 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 those particular problems too. So I think the first one would be initially just understanding how the software works. But, but once you're on there and once you're marketing, you're going to learn and by you're going to make mistakes. And that's fine. But you need to know how to use your money on ads. And that would be probably... People don't know how to do that. Um, your... When I say... F- Photoshop, being able to do some graphic design or some basic studying on that would be key. It's helpful if you can learn that. If not, then you need to find someone who can and that can do the work for you as well. Sometimes it's not communicated properly. It's not done right. They don't use the right colors or the font. So there's, there's, there's minor things there. But once you get someone professional to do it for you, it, it'll come together. But I think the first step for a lot of stores is seeing the value in it. Spending the money doing the education, learning the softwares, and learning how it can help your business grow if you do it properly. I mean, grow exponentially. It's going to really impact your business a lot if you do it properly. So that, that's my take on that, on the areas I need to prove on, is just do it for the first time, you know, get into it.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I have seen <laughs> some pretty big results with people who've actually put in the work and uh, implemented some of these strategies, You know, especially if you have a good operational base to work from, you might have a good story, good experience, good customer service. You can actually deliver a good result for somebody who comes into your store. If you've got that and then you add in marketing on top and you make it so that more people know about what you're doing. That's when you really start to see like actual growth. That's when you actually start to see more people coming to you and and referrals and all kinds of good stuff. That's what you need to have in place prior to. But once you've got that going, yeah, definitely got to get in there and, and start trying things out and experimenting and, and it's just one of those fundamental business things that you need to learn, right? Marketing is foundational to business. When you go to, you know, to uh, college to take a business class, marketing's going to be there. You're going to have to figure that part out.
1: i a little bit scared to get into that because it's like, oh, it's one more thing that I have to do. I have all this other stuff and now I got to learn how to do marketing. I'm like, well, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you decided to go into this business, so you're committing to it. This is a part of it. And if someone told you, you're not, this isn't a part of it, then I'm, I'm sorry that this is how it is. And if you want to survive, you need to be able to do these things, marketing, branding. This is so important. This is, this is not back in the heyday when there was no internet. No, this is, this is the field keeps changing. You need to adapt period. And this is, this is a part of it. If your competitors are doing marketing and you're not, you know the results will show for its own.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the future. So we talked a bit about how the things got started. We talked a bit about marketing. Let's uh, let's project forward a little bit and see what uh, see what's going on with versus games and uh, you know what you have coming up and what kind of things you're expecting for like the industry as a, as a whole. Like I'm sure you've been involved. You've seen Magic Thirty. You've seen all kinds of changes happen in the last several months. <laughs> How how do we feel about magic? How do we feel about the hobby industry? You know, what do you think the next like year, two years might hold for the business?
1: Well, first off, to answer the first part of the question, the versus our future, what we're doing is um, we're getting ready to launch our new website, which as I mentioned to you before, we are a membership-based company. This will enable um, individuals to start purchasing their memberships online from us and then doing purchases straight online. Our older website was with Crystal Commerce. It, which is we're um, looking to move beyond that, move on to another um, company that is going to be working with us. And uh, that's more membership based and that will work with us specifically on um, what we want to do in the future, which is uh, expansion, franchising. We needed to get the process and, and the people in place process policies and make sure all this stuff is working properly and the systems. So once this is all going in the right direction, the next step is franchising or an expansion within the same company too as well. So that's some of our future plans and being able to go more national with our websites too as well. So we can um, start increasing our memberships. So that's specifically what we're working on with Versus Games. Um, with the industry, now we have, um, quite a few conversations about this in the office about the industry. Magic 30 was a hot topic for us. I mean, we all know what was going on with that and what is still going on with that too, as well. And I believe there's a fire chat tomorrow at 11 o'clock with Hasbro that's happening um, with the, I think it's a CFO. I, I believe I have to double check it, but I have it marked on my calendar so I can um, be a part of that. And that's going to be interesting this next year. I was having a conversation with the uh, business owner of Jasco Games. He's also the creator of My Hero Academia, TCG. He comes into Versus Games with his product manager every Thursday, and they, they play games. And we kind of have an uh, unofficial, informal, like, fire chat about, you know, the industry. And I, you know, let them know, you know, my two bits and what, how I feel cause about what's coming on. This next year is going to be really tough for TCGs. And the reason why I say that is if you've seen what's going on with the market, what's happening specifically with what's coming out, you have a lot of games that are coming out this next year. You have uh, Genesis, you have Sorcery, you have uh, Grand Archive, um, you have, there's some other games that are, uh, one more that's coming out. Oh, the uh, Disney game that's going to be coming out Q4. Distributors are already talking about this particular game, um, seeing if they can carry it. Um I've been having conversations with them too. There's some games that just tried to come out this last Q4 of 2022 and they you know bombed already coming out of the gates. Uh so next year it's gonna be like a knife fight in a dark room with these TCGs going at each other. <laughs> it they're they're gonna be fighting for shelf space. They're gonna be fighting for you know, for distributors to pick them up, for retailers to pick them up, and it comes down to your marketing. What, how much marketing you have? And going back to marketing, you know, I don't mean to call out this game. Acora had like no marketing going on, and that game just dropped off and died fast, dead on arrival. As soon as it hit the stores, I mean, you have stores, Channel Fireball, at the time, dropped it for thirty-five. You know, our cost was one hundred five, and we're all trying to drop it ourselves. I mean, it was just, it was a mess. Because there's just no marketing, and you have other games like Flesh and Blood doing a resurgence, trying to come back. The bubble popped. We discussed this, and their sales just tanked and went down. They were having trouble holding value because of the unlimited set. Looks like they're doing a reset with their with their industry, um, and got rid of unlimited. Started limiting the production of the product for manufacturing. You're starting to see the prices stabilize a little bit better with Dynasty. You have Everfest and other locations that's still kind of like way below map and what's being allowed. So you still see them recovering. Well, you see them having issues, Flesh and Blood, but you see a recovery in the possible year if they can stabilize this momentum. But at the same time, the way I look at specifically Flesh and Blood is when that bubble popped during the the lockdown, because there was one there when it came out of it, it was obviously we're going to see who's going to still be playing this game and it's more of a regional game now and when you have a game that's regional that doesn't necessarily mean it's growing it's still there it's still alive and it has the potential to grow and these new games that are coming out are looking to well they smell blood in the water with magic with what's going on there's a lot of people that are angry with with wizards of the coast it's a good game magic is great it's still number one it's a great game they do have a lot of um, PR issues to work on. Um, I love the game; that's what got me into it. It's what got me into the industry, but uh, it's making these other card games be like, "Hey, I can." This is my time to come in, and I'm like, kind of shaking my head. I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be a tough fight. Do you see everyone else you're going to be fighting against? And then you got Disney at the end of the year coming in. So the industry looks very volatile. there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be happening this next, this next year to keep an eye out. And, Oh, I'm sorry. There's battle spirits. There's, you know, Bandai is coming out with Digimon one piece and they're just killing it too, as well. They're just, the cells are awesome with that. Bandai is doing a, a really good job with their marketing, with their product, with their quality. So yeah, uh, I have I could definitely see there's a lot of changing going on. Pokemon, we don't really need to discuss that. They're there. They're just number two. They're just holding solid. There's demand. You know, it, people want it. Yeah, collectors, little kids, everybody wants a place. So it's it, there's a resurgence there, obviously. But um, with Magic, they need some restructuring with like Sorcery, Genesis, Grand Archive, Battle Spirits, the Disney game that's coming out. The games, oh, and you, you got games like MetaZoo too that are, the bubble popped really quick on that one too when, and the sales have just tanked on a lot of the product. Uh, granted, I know Seance is holding um, good value right now with that particular set, but that's also because they cut back on production and also less stores were ordering it. So therefore the product is holding, whereas other products are just way below market. I, think I saw it on sale for 40 or 50 bucks for a box. The cost is like 65. So <clears throat> not to go off on tangents, I apologize, but the industry is in for a rough year for 2023. It's There's there's a lot of stuff for stores to pick from, and here's where it's going to get tricky. Stores have to do their research. They got to sit back and go, okay, there's all these games coming out. What do I pick? What are going to be the stinkers of this year? You know, Is Alpha Clash going to come from Kickstarter, go straight to distributor? How are things going things to work? You know, stores got burnt on Acora, and then the distributors coming right after, like, "Hey, there's this other Kickstarter game. Do you want to get into it?" Well, okay, well, what is it? And you're like, uh, "Uh, Cryptic." There's the other one, Cryptic. I'm sorry, there's like six games coming out, and <laughs> Cryptic is, and they're telling us, "Oh yeah, Cryptic. It's a, it's another Kickstarter." I was like, "I just lost X amount of money on acora Now, acora and Cryptic have a similar concept. Cryptic is more like Magic, in a sense. They even got RK... Uh, I think they have, they have some artwork from some other Magic artists that came in and worked on it. But mm. even though there's no correlation between the two of them, the correlation is from the retailer looking at this game that they got burnt on, that the distributor pushed on them. Not pushed on them, let me say. Suggested it, sold it to them, and then they took it in, and it was a dead game. And then they're looking, hey, I have this, I have this other game that's a Kickstarter too. Do you guys want this one? They're like, oh, no, I just... I just lost money on this game. And and so just, it unfortunately, that game, like Akora had this negative effect on all these other games trying to come out after it. And it's no fault to Cryptic or Genesis or all these other games. Those may be really good games, but, but because that big <laughs> snafu, that huge, it's, it's huge, it's negatively affecting all the other games trying to come after. I'm like, hey, I'm a better game than that game. Take me on. I have... Better marketing, better price payout, all this stuff is like, well, unfortunately, retailers are looking at, like, I don't know, more, they're more the skeptical.
0: Guy. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and they and they should be. They should be skeptical. They should be doing the research. Like, hey, should I pick Battle Spirits? Well, it's a 15-year-old game in Japan, and most games that pop out in Japan only last for maybe a year or two, and here's a game that's been in existence for 15 years. They're bringing it back, redoing the artwork, redoing the card design. Changing the meta, adding new cards, so it's not going to be the same thing. It looks good, and Bandai's backing it. Um, that's not to say that everything that Bandai is going to do is going to hit it out of the out of the ballpark, but you got to take these things in consideration and do your research too as well. Do your research in Japan, know these games, you know, discuss and try to get some uh, connection with some of the creators and the owners too as well if you can. Emails, newsletters, whatever you can do, and research your product no end but um yeah next year that could be a that could be a rough time for a lot of places a lot of a lot of tcg companies it's it, they're going to come and go
0: so, so there might be a bit of a flight to safety over the next little bit to go back towards the ones that you know are definitely going to be like guaranteed sellers and yeah. you know maybe stores are going to be pulling back on their experimentation as to trying up new product lines to see what's going to happen too much uncertainty in the market potentially
1: right Well, those companies who who do take the risk, you're going to have some who go, I'm going to pick Cryptic. Oh, hey, I'm going to pick Battle Spirits because they can only pick so many and they can only put their money in so many baskets in the sense or so many eggs in so many baskets. Um, So they're going to split or go heavy on one or maybe heavy on two because you already got the big three You know, you got your Pokemon, your Magic, your Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, what else am I going to put my money into on these six, seven new games that are coming out? I got to pick one. You may pick a stinker. You may pick the one that just kills you, you know? <laughs>
0: Which is definitely what you don't want to do. You don't want to be the one that makes the fatal mistake.
1: So. It's high risk right now. Um, or yeah. you may go all in one like, hey, I did my research. This is the one. I'm picking battle spirits. That's the one that's going to be the one. Or I'm, I'm going to save up and I'm going to do the Disney one. Those ones are the only ones I'm going to do, you know? And then they, they blow up and they pay out for you and you cash in. And they ride the wave until the players get sick of it and they go back to magic or Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh! or whatever, or, or, or it stays around. So it's, you know, you're going to have some stores who, who risk well, who choose well, who do the research well, or those who just, you know, get lucky, or those who just don't get lucky and they pick the wrong one.
0: And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So. On that exciting note and thrilling note about uh, the future of of the TCG industry for the next year or so, let's do one last question. I would love to continue this conversation and and have another chat with you because I feel like there's about a bazillion topics that we didn't cover that I would love to explore. But I want to wrap this interview up on a uh, hopefully a positive note. So the last question that I usually ask people since the theme of this whole podcast is success in the games industry is what is your personal definition of success for Versus Games?
1: I would say that Versus Games has affected a lot of lives. And there's been a lot of friendships that have happened at our business that would have not happened if we weren't there. And there's a lot of connections that people made because of our existence, you know. And I've often thought about, like, what if you know, knock on what you know, versus wasn't there. There's all these friendships that would have never met, that would have never happened. And I look at that and that's that, that does I know it sounds sentimental, but <clears throat> it does kind of warm me warm my heart a bit, thinking like, oh, wow, that's 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 nice because taking that element, that thread out of someone's life, it does affect Everything else surrounding. I've seen those friendships and those connections, and that does that does make me happy to see those connections. Now that's on more of a sentimental level for where I see versus was successful in creating that community atmosphere. And again, I initially wasn't going out and setting that. That was a byproduct of the business, and businesses have that byproduct of creating that community and having that that connection and where we missed from high school when we used to be part of a team or a group of friends and we went to college and that kind of just went away, got married or, you know, we went to work and we no longer have that group, that connection that we once were, but games brought that all back. And I saw that and that happened, that formed that versus. And I look at that as a success on something that we have accomplished, not a financial success. Financially, we've, we've actually done, we've, we've, we've grown a lot with our, with our business and our industry. Cause you know, we've done a lot of changes with our, with our business. So there's that aspect of the, of the success, the more financial aspect of what we've done, you know, <clears throat> what is success versus is that I'll be honest, we survived the pandemic. We survived that lockdown <clears throat> and it was scary. Because we let go of the majority of the staff, and there was just like a handful of us, a couple of us, and <clears throat> it was it was a scary time. And I level, I, I consider that success successful for us because we survived it. Not many places did. A lot of places just fell during that time because they just couldn't adapt, they couldn't change. And I was thankful enough that well. I was aware of something was coming because I had family in China and they were telling us of what's happening. This was in December. We started caught wind of it. And then January, we started hearing more because we have family in China and they were telling us what was going on there <clears throat> and something was happening. And then I had meetings with my team members and I told them, hey, a lockdown might happen. And they were like, what's that? Never heard of it so we explained hey here's what's going to possibly happen we need ideas and ways that we can survive if this happens and we have to shut down we had several meetings in january all of which mind you the team thought i was overreacting i think one actually said that i quote i think you're overreacting um this isn't going to happen here that was another quote what's a lockdown we're not going to shut down these are all quotes and I still kept the meetings like, Hey, I want ideas. What are we going to do? What, how do we implement it? How do we push forward? How do we survive? And then the, I think the last meeting was in March, early March, maybe like the first week of it. Cause lockdown actually happened in SF on the 15th, I believe was the mm-hmm. official day I think here. And we, I had made a decision that we were going to close up on the 12th or the 13th. So I knew it before anyone else knew what was going to happen. And but I had prepared my team in meetings saying, hey, we're going to let people go. We have to in order to survive so you can come so you can have somewhere to come back to. And when it happened, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is happening. And I remember taking pictures and filming that the day before I was about to close. I think it was the night before we were about to officially just shut it down. And it was a scary time and everybody had a moment. We discussed it. Everybody was aware it was going to happen. Everybody had plans. I'm going home. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to fly back home. I'm going to bunker down with my parents. Everybody had their own plans. And there was a couple of us that said, okay, I'm going to stay with you, D. We're going to do what we can. We're going to implement the policies that we've been discussing for the past few months that we didn't think we would ever have to implement just so we can survive. Success for me is saying that we survived that time frame. That was a scary time for everybody. It was traumatic for a lot of people too as well. People are still going through the the effects of it and I'm thankful that my team pulled together my family pulled together that was, we go through you know, we've had hard times and good times in this industry and we've seen the quote The Witcher, we've seen several end of days (laughs) um, come through our industry and, 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 and through Versus 2 as well. And it's the fact that we were able to just fight it off, fight or flight or freeze. Which one did we do? We fought every single time. And we'll keep doing that. I love my team. It's a great team. This is probably the best team I've ever had that works for me. And I was very grateful that I was able to hire them all back and then bring on more team members and then expand my business to get a distribution center, absorb another business. Uh, one of our big competitors went out of business and we absorbed them, uh, their inventory and everything, because they were going out of business and we just kept growing. Uh, so making it out of that, having my team behind me to back me up on all the hard decisions, that's success. That's, what I, what I reflect on as a successful business. I couldn't do this by myself. Leaders can't do this by yourself. We can't do this, we need our team. I serve them just as much as they serve me and help to serve the company. They take care of the customers, I take care of them. So that's what I consider success for us. So hopefully I answered your question.
0: I think so, that's an excellent story I love that, that tale of perseverance I feel like it uh, feels like a Rocky movie where you just <laughs> push through <laughs> kept getting hit in the face but kept getting back up and that's what really matters
1: kept getting back up, i got tons of stories I can't, <laughs> don't get me started
0: I would love to hear some more of those stories but for now we're going to have to call it for this episode Great. if people want to find out more about Versus Games, they want to get a hold of you You know, give them some information, where can they find out uh, about what's going on
1: well, um, you can find us on Facebook, Versus Games SF. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Versus Games SF too. Um, we have a lot of marketing we do there. Um, um, our new website will be I going do. up too as well, so we're working on that. Otherwise, you can still email our our current uh, website, it has our contact information. I'd be more than happy to get a hold of anybody uh, um, and talk to you guys. So, but yeah, I'm I'm here to help out other stores that uh, need it, and uh, I'm there for them. So it's a tough time. And yeah, thanks guys. All right, that is it for today's episode of the Maniverse podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button
0: so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, we'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. If you want to level up your marketing in 2023, check out the complete FLGS digital marketing course. This course is broken out into 21 days. And each day there's a short video walking you through one particular strategy or tool that you can implement in your business. By the end of the 21 days, you have all the pieces of that digital marketing puzzle put together for your game store. It's everything we've, we put into practice for our clients, and it's the perfect way to kickstart 2023 for your game store. You can enroll in the course right now by going to ManaverseSaga.com forward slash F-L-G-S, and you can save 51% off the price tag if you use the code 2023 to enroll before the end of the year. Thanks again for listening to today's show. I'm Tom Trapplin. I've been your host. And I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Manaverse podcast.